Now, today is International Youth Day. However, millions of young people in South Africa are challenged by both unemployment and poverty. The ailing economy and the rising cost of living continues to be a major concern. Some, some experts are warning the country is at risk of becoming a failed state. The latest crime stats paint a grim picture. The backdrop is a continuing theme of corruption, enrolling blackouts, water shortages, a shaky healthcare system, well, and myriad other state failures. Others say system. this is the cost so of corruption and negligent leadership. Herman Mashaba is the leader and founder of Action SA, one of the newer parties contesting the national elections in 2024. Before entering politics, he was an entrepreneur. He started his hair product business, Black Like Me, in 1985. Against the backdrop of apartheid, he managed to turn his company into the biggest hair products business in South Africa. In 2016, he contested the local elections in Johannesburg as the mayoral candidate for the DA. He managed to win the election and served as mayor of Joburg from 2016 to 2019, after which he resigned from both his position and the DA. However, he did not leave the political space at that point. After the People's Dialogue, a campaign to engage with South Africans on important political issues, he re-entered the fray by starting Action SA in August of 2020. I'm privileged to have the opportunity to talk to him today about what his party is offering voters come 2024. Hello, Mr. Mashaba. How are you doing today? Hi, uh, Gabriel. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, great opportunity. Lovely talking to you. So, Mr. Mashaba, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in a small village uh, called Haramuzi, 30-40Ks uh, north of Pretoria, next to Babilehi Industrial Area. Uh, born uh, 26 August uh, 1959, a year after HFR took over as Prime Minister of South Africa. So you can imagine I uh, was born at the real height of apartheid. I mean, at the time when HFV took over, a year after HFV took over as, as a prime minister. So I was, I was really born in really very difficult period of our country's history. And what was it like growing up during apartheid? Uh, it's really very difficult. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I lost my father when I was two. So by the time I woke up in this world, uh, realizing I was a human being when I was, what, five, six, then I'm told uh, my parents are not around. My mother was working in Johannesburg as a domestic worker coming home once or so a month and asked, where's my dad? That uh, unfortunately, your dad decided to die when you were two years old. Um, I, I was actually brought up uh, and raised in a child-headed household by my sisters, uh, the elder one, um, 18 years my senior. So I, I grew up in that environment. My sisters um, played a key role in my development. And against this backdrop, how did you manage to build a massively successful business, especially as a black man during apartheid? And what lessons did you learn from your experiences? Well, uh, you know, I was really very fortunate as much as I lost uh, my father at the age of two. So obviously I, I don't know him except on, on uh, the 
on on photographs. Um, but I had to my grandfather who really molded me, someone who actually lived for me, uh, meant so much to my grandfather that uh, I actually miss him like I miss my father because I don't know my father, but I know my grandfather uh, from the time I was born, died in 1977, uh, when I was already in, uh, in Form 4 those days, which is uh, grade 11 to, to, today. And uh, my grandfather really held me by the um from the actually the day I was born. I, my grandfather did not take the responsibility of me after my father's passing. He took charge of me from the day I was born, and uh, very proud of me. And uh, the entire community of Haramutsi knew of my arrival on the day I arrived. Uh, and uh, since the day he died, I mean, uh, I meant everything to him and uh, instilled in me um, a sense of uh, taking personal responsibility uh, to, uh, for, for my grandfather. To, my failure was not an option. So he uh, he actually gave me the name Hyman, uh, uh, you know, which was not uh, my official name, uh, which I later changed when I was 14, 15 to Herman because this high man was just too much for me. I used to feel when I was growing up that my grandfather's expectation of me were, uh, were unreasonable and were too much and decided to, from high man to call it myself Herman. And that was not my official name. I only obviously made it my official name uh, after the birth of a new democracy. Because uh, from the age of 14, 15, when I called myself Herman, new people who knew me afterwards knew me as Herman, not Hyman. But if you go to, to Haramotsi now, to people of my age, they know me as Hyman or younger than me. So in, in that village, they know me as Hyman. This Hemen thing, they know it's, it's just a, a name I gave myself because Hyman was just too much for me. It was too overwhelming. So, I mean, growing under apartheid was, was really very difficult. Uh, you know, having at the age of 16, taking a reference book, um, and not, obviously nothing wrong with uh, the taking an identity document, but it was an identity document you had to take as a black man or woman to carry 24 hours a day that restricted your movement. Um, um, and uh, with all the restrictions, be in employment, be it, uh, where you could live uh, and play and all those things. Uh, I remember going into Pretoria City all the time, uh, the police were out there just really stopping you and causing problems for you. And uh, I used to ask myself growing up, say, but goodness, what the hell is going on? What have I done for these people to really harass me like this? But uh, I realized as I was growing up that uh, this has got to do with the politicians. Uh, people are generally good uh, human beings because uh, here am I, 28 years into our new democracy, uh, seeing our government, uh, I don't know, the, the racism between the National Party and, and uh, ANC, I'm, I'm not really sure because uh, I find it difficult to actually compare to say life was better under apartheid or under ANC because uh, my country is right now more divided along racial lines than uh, it was under apartheid. My country, it's actually more uh, unequal uh, to more worse than uh, apartheid. Uh, the matter capital of the world, uh, 
my personal safety. I mean, if you look at how many people we lose on a daily basis in this country, countries at war, uh, we lose more people than countries at war. Just a few days ago, I read a report where South Africa, it's actually bypassed uh, Mexico. I used to really have a fear, and those are some of the things that drove me into politics, where uh, because I've always been a, star, a student of history, you know, um, South America, I, I never thought I would one day live in a country like uh, what you see in, in South America with uh, the drug cartels and uh, kidnappings and, uh, and so forth. But uh, actually, South Africa ranks in the, in what, the top 29 of the most dangerous countries in the world. And uh, yes, I've really accepted um, we... I lived under an evil system of apartheid, but uh, today I live uh, in in a, in a country actually uh, with a government that I regard as a criminal enterprise. And so, to keep to to kind of move back to just um, <clears throat> apartheid for a second longer, I just was wondering how did you actually manage to to start and and promote such a successful business during that time? Yeah, well, what happened is, uh, you know, my father, my grandfather, uh, he really encouraged me as much as he did not have the means, uh, but he really encouraged me to, to, to take education seriously because that was one platform for me to get my independence. And, and my grandfather, as far as uh, I'm aware, I don't think he's seen a day in, in a classroom. I don't know, but I, from my memory of him, it wasn't someone... Uh, with formal education, but he has the he had the wisdom and um, instilling me, uh, you know, certain values that I still really practice today. Reading and empowering myself and taking personal responsibility, and uh, managed in 1978 uh, to pass my matric. And uh, 1979 went to the University of the North, at Tefluop. Um, what, over 300 kilometers away from uh, Amanskral. You can imagine there was a University of Pretoria where I could take a, a train or a bus, go to university every day. Unfortunately, because of the apartheid laws, uh, the only university um, I could go to was the University of the North. Uh, and I was lucky at uh, the Catholic Church and, and my uh, um, brother-in-law uh, assisted me with my... Uh, to really pay for my uh, university studies, uh, the church paid the fifty percent, and my father and my uh, brother-in-law managed to get me a loan with uh, Barclays Bank at the time, fifty percent. So that's how I ended up at university in nineteen seventy-nine, second year of my studies. One morning, uh, the university surrounded by the army because then we had some protest, um, uh, asking for the release of some of our colleagues and. Um, Six o'clock, the army they uh, are surrounded uh, the campus, and uh, we were requested uh, to all leave by twelve o'clock, and that unfortunately became the end of my political dream of one day becoming a political scientist. Um, because when uh, a month or so when they called us back, I decided I'm not going back there. It's, it's going to be a waste of time, because I was at the time very angry young black uh, guy where. I did not see any way out of actually going out there to physically fight the apartheid regime. At the time, uh, my peers, everyone, every black youth at the time wanted to leave the country for military training. 
uh, and uh, get the Russians to give us AK-47s and come and cause havoc. Uh, but, you know, I look back in reflection on my life. Uh, God has always had a plan for me because uh, at the time you needed strong political connections to get you out of the country. And I was one of those, uh, and actually I can proudly say lucky ones that I never had good context to get me out of the country because you can imagine if I had left the country, I would be part of this criminal syndicate. Uh, I would be a corrupt uh, politician. So God shielded me away from uh, exposure to, to this criminality and um, started work. I worked for a salary to 30 months in my life, two companies. Worked for Spa in Pretoria, in Pretoria for seven months um, as a dispersed clerk and um, 23 months for Motani Industries, uh, furniture manufacturing industry. Um, and uh, during that time, then you re I reached 22 years and I realized, uh, I remembered my grandfather's ways to say, Herman, you are getting old, 22, you're missing out. Chances of leaving the country are no longer possible and uh, you are not going to um, to live the rest of your life uh, like um, everybody else uh, working for someone and other people determining your life. That's when I decided to go into business. But then the apartheid government, P.W. Bota, said you can't go into business as a black man. It was not allowed. And I said, uh, Mr. P.W. Bota, I'm afraid um, you can control others, not Herman Mashaba. I'm going to do it anyway. And um, before going into business, what then? What because I don't come from a family business, uh, then decided um, I'm going to become a commission sales rep, be a trader. But being a trader, I needed to buy a car. Uh, but before buying a car, I'd, uh, God also gave me the wisdom to stabilize my life, uh, looking at uh, how my grandfather had one wife, stable uh, uh, family until uh, his death. Uh, my grandfather, my mother died a uh, few years before him. Uh, and I decided, you know what, uh, let me stabilize my life. Uh, something I never thought. I mean, growing up uh, in those turbulent times, get, uh, getting a wife was really completely foreign to me. It was not something that uh, I thought I would do, but for some reason, just uh, really God gave me the wisdom to stabilize my life and um, got married, uh, legally married on the 3rd of March, uh, 1982. Everything else is history. My wife has played that key role on stabilizing my life. And uh, two months after getting married, um, bought a car, uh, um, uh, then started being a trader. The first job I tried was insurance, selling insurance on a commission basis. Two months later, I realized my, this is not on and um, started selling lean and crockery fire detection system. 1983, came across a company in Johannesburg in Melbourne East, uh, had a brand called uh, uh, SuperCare. What happened uh, in, in, 80, in 82 when I had a, a, a wedding, I actually for the first time perm my hair. And uh, when I had an opportunity to, to sell this product, uh, I realized, yes, yeah, a golden opportunity. So I sold for this company for 19 months. And during that period, I became the top sales uh, the, the person, earning three and a half, four thousand rents a month. I mean, uh, 83, 84, earning that kind of money as a black man was, uh, 
was serious uh, matter. And uh, in the 19 months with Supercell, I felt vulnerable. And also um, the wisdom to succeed uh, came to me to say, you know what, here's an industry that is going to be there forever. Why don't you actually go out there, not do it for someone else, go and do it for yourself. But then I did not really have the technical know-how. I had to take a chance. I'm, I'm a gambler in life. Um, I'm a risk taker. Now, I approached um, um, Johan Krill, uh, who was uh, African, a guy who was uh, um, a production manager working, and I got to know what he was earning, uh, 1,600 rands a month, which obviously for whites was a good salary, was a senior position. And I said to Johan, you know what, you can see I'm earning more than uh, uh, what you earn, and we're making money for someone else. Joseph and I can sell the stuff and you can make it. Why don't we go and make it ourselves? And he says, uh, but heaven, I like the idea, but I don't have the money. Luckily, I said, you leave that to to to, to Joseph and I. I approached um, a businessman in uh, Mabopani called Walter Dube uh, with, uh, with our plan to say, Mr. Dube, you know, we need uh, some funds. Uh, we found um, a legal machine to print money. Um, you know, and we presented the plan to him, and um, we needed thirty thousand rands. Everything else is history. January of nineteen eighty-five, we started uh, the product, and uh, the first invoice made on the fourteenth of February, with a thirty thousand rands loan, uh, which was the most expensive um, funding model any entrepreneur can ever get. You know, because Walter and Uncle Ness, the guys, the two guys who gave us the money, they didn't know us. I mean, they were people double, more than double my age. And uh, they decided, you know what, the guys, we like what you are saying. You're still youngsters. We're happy to give you this money to gamble. 30,000 rands was a lot of money. And uh, prime in South Africa at the time was 21%. So they said, look, we'll give you the money, but we want the prime plus 10%. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, they wanted 25% of the share in the, in the business. But uh, because we had no choice, and, and they were lovely people, uh, we said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll take you on. But they gave us three years uh, to repay them, uh, paid them back in seven months. Uh, <laughs> you know, instead of three, I paid them back in their, their money in, in seven months. And uh, by 1990, when F.W. Clerk, uh, released political prisoners. You remember the 2nd of uh, February 1990, that big announcement by F.W. Leclerc. I mean, I'm sure that's long before you were born. I was already at the time having my own factory, over 6,000 square meters with um, state-of-the-art manufacturing, listed uh, with all the major retailers in uh, in the country and selling products uh, not only in South Africa, in, in Southern Africa. So, you know, that's uh, briefly the story of my life. So in terms of my interpretation, I'm, a, I'm a, a devout capitalist. I love that system because uh, it's a system that has given me this privilege that I've enjoyed uh, over the last 40 years. The freedom I'm enjoyed is not uh, the one that is in our constitution. Uh, the capitalist system has given me the, uh, the financial freedom to really be able to uh, to be an independent person. 
And so I'm going to take us forward to the next, uh, one of the next big gambles in your life, um, in which you become, you decide to really join the political fray uh, and run as the mayoral candidate for uh, Johannesburg um, for the DA. And I was wondering, so what did your time as the mayor of Johannesburg teach you? Well, uh, you know, I knew our system was bad. I mean, uh, you know, if I look at uh, growing under apartheid, under the homeland system in Bukutatswana, building Babelehi industrial area, Tarankua industrial area, where uh, I, uh, I started Black Lag Me in 1985, uh, I, uh, I saw the, our country developing the kind of uh, trains running, buses, uh, our personal safety there, um, but obviously I think uh, discriminated against, but but overall um, we, we, we were in a functional developing country. The country was developing. And um, 1994 voted for Nelson Mandela, 1999 I voted for Thabo Mbeki. And uh, during Thabo uh, era, and I, I think uh, that's when I started realizing some cracks and things that I did not really appreciate. And uh, that's when, uh, by the time Thabo Mbeki went for a second term, I was one of those South Africans that did not vote for him, but I voted and I voted for the DA because uh, uh, the, 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 the policies um, that Thabo Mbeki was pursuing, uh, the Zimbabwean uh, the issue, people were dying of HIV and, and, and AIDS. Uh, the Trapada, what I did not like most was uh, the dominance of, um, of uh, the communist uh, and, uh, and, and the COSATU in, in government issues, uh, destroying our education, destroying jobs. Um, that's why we sit with one of the highest sustainable jobs in, in, in the country. His um, uh, policy uh, in terms of uh, international relations. Remember when, when Thabo Mbeki took over power, he came out uh, with the attempt uh, the African Renaissance, the rebirth of Africa. Uh, to hold uh, to hold one another accountable as uh, African leaders, but when it came to my, my uh, this evil uh, leader called Mugabe started um, uh, uh, violating the rights of Zimbabweans, people of Zimbabwe. Tabumbeki um, was there to to apply what he called uh, quiet diplomacy, something that I didn't take kindly to it, and. Um, really lost hope uh, to realize that these people are going to really destroy our country. And here is it. We are almost on the verge of collapse. And so <clears throat> you then, you resign from the, the mayoral office in 2019. And so why um, did you decide to resign at that point? Well, uh, very unfortunate, really very hateful. It's one one of uh, the pains of my life. Um, uh, and I'm lucky that uh, Michael Buman, who was uh, serving as my chief of staff, actually has captured uh, uh, my term as a mayor um, in a book called Accidental Mayor. Captured it so succinctly and uh, really so appreciative of this because 
I think uh, looking at uh, the difficult environment I was uh, put uh, under to, to run a multi-party government, relying even on the EFF uh, to really be able to pass my budget and serve uh, a stable coalition government, it's actually quite sad for me uh, when I had to resign and share with South Africans about uh, how DA uh, was the most uh, difficult partner and they used to offend me to, uh, about uh, really accusing me of uh, providing services to people who don't pay taxes and then are not DA voters. And and this, for me, was, was uh, such an insult and uh, requested them on numerous occasions uh, at FedEx level for protection with some of um, uh, my fellow uh, caucus members to say, you know, when you read your, your government, you are not government to save uh, only those who voted for you. Uh, we are in the most unequal society in the world. Uh, we've been under ANC government at the time, 22 years. The damage that ANC had caused, uh, we needed to really correct it. As much as I'm a dear vote capitalist, but I, I believe in social justice. Uh, I hate um, the poor environment. I come from there. And the people who are poor in our country are not poor because of any other thing than uh, political leadership. Um, the apartheid government made the black people poor. ANC government made them even poorer and actually deprived them of, of education, divided us along racial, ethnic, uh, and uh, uh, everything. So, you know, for me, when I was really wanting to work towards uh, normalizing us as a society, DA was against us. And obviously the, the final nail came when it came to my attention that uh, the DA leadership um, was negotiating, some DA leadership was negotiating with the ANC to remove me, come out with a motion of no confidence because as far as I was concerned, I'm a cheeky black. And obviously found the ready ANC to, to happy to to, uh, to welcome this move from the DA because uh, at the time I was pursuing 35 billion rents of fraud and corruption, pursuing uh, the arrest of senior ANC um, officials. Uh, some of them are in, in the current government and, and parliament. So when uh, DA made these advances to them, uh, they found uh, that, uh, you know what, this would work and luckily, um, you know, when people uh, uh, plan malicious things, what brings uh, things to my attention? So I got to know about this plan um, while it is it was still being hashed. And I called uh, Musi my money to my house and I said, Musi, are you aware there are meetings underway uh, to remove me? And you are going to be the, the next ones, obviously, they can remove uh, me. And I said to Musi, you know what? As you are aware, being the mayor is the last job in the world I want. I'm not going to be pushed by anyone. So um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm announcing that um, uh, in the event that this right-wing elements take over DA, I'm out because I would not want to be associated with such characters. So I said I will wait until um, uh, DA um, uh, elects uh, these people. Uh, and uh, it then so happened that uh, they were elected on the 20th of October. And 21st, I make the, the, 
to call the press conference. By then, I'd already made announcement because when I informed Musi about this, I said, Musi said, no, he's, he's going to investigate and uh, do something. A week passed and Musi wasn't doing anything. Um, uh, that's Musi. And I said, you know what, I'm not going to let uh, Musi uh, determine my, my life and allow myself to be pushed. So I then issued a, pre, a press statement a few weeks before that federal council to elect Helen Zilla as the chairperson of uh, of the DA. That uh, if there's right-wing people come back into DA, I'm out. So I'm happy to stick around until uh, your whatever Congress where you're going to have elections. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it so happened that uh, 20th of October, Helen Zilla was... Uh, elected as the chairperson of uh, FedEx and uh, the following day uh, I resigned uh, and uh, the, probably they thought um, my threats were empty you know uh, and I'm not that kind of person if I make uh, a commitment I do everything possible not that I don't change my mind but uh, I've got to have a good reason to change my mind but on this one it was not negotiable. And so you obviously weren't done, though, with uh, with politics, because um, the next move was the people's dialogue. And then it was time for action. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm wondering, um, why did you decide to found action? And what are the core ideological beliefs of Action SA upon which it was founded? Well, it, interestingly, you know, to be honest with you, I did not realize that that really made an impact uh, to residents of uh, Johannesburg and uh, the entire South Africa. Because as soon as I made an announcement uh, of my resignation, you can check in all your mediums. Literally, the entire country stood up to say, Herman, please form your own political parties. Others obviously tried to get me to not resign, including Musi. And I said, the guys, so please don't uh, even go there. And um, now realizing South Africans are calling me to start my own political party because now my biggest pro challenge was now 2021 local government elections around the corner. Now, without DA, that basically means I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. Like, that's why you see South Africans today, um, even now we've got a big percentage of people staying away because uh, they are in that environment that they have no one that they, they trust. So I said to myself, what do I do? Are these real people? So I then obviously conceived the idea of starting an engagement of South Africans to, to see if uh, um, these people who are calling radio stations, uh, to, to writing articles in the paper, phoning me, are these real people? So I needed to run a scientific analysis to see if these are real people. And uh, my condition was, uh, the, was, was that if I get less than half a million people giving me an endorsement, uh, I won't proceed. But anything over half a million, it'll be a nice sample to start a political party. And uh, to, but then I had to make sure that I run this as quickly as possible because uh, in the event uh, I get the mandate to start a political party, I needed to prepare for the 2021 local government elections. So that's why we launched uh, Action SA on the 20, uh, sorry, the People's Dialogue on the 6th of December to run until end of uh, Feb. 
to my surprise, honestly, serious surprise, um, 2.4 million South Africans gave me the Monday, scientific Mondays, Monday. 2.5 times the number that I anticipated. So, therefore, I had no option than to start the political party. But, secondly, what was more important, and this is really where it becomes actually quite um, fundamental for me. Because this thing, these were conditions which were not negotiable with this uh, with this 2.4 million South Africans. I said we have to then commit on on this core values. The first core value is that uh, we all agree we need to start at a non-racial political party. So we stand for non-racialism. Racial polarization is a dangerous thing. I lived under apartheid. I lived under ANC. The discriminatory laws. I'm, I'm tired. I'm hard formed, basically. I want to live in a normal society where South Africans must be judged on, on their character, not on the color of skin or, or gender. You know, so I said I need a non-racial political party. We must then commit on, on free market economy where a government must play as minimal role as possible. Unions must know that they will never have a veto right on, on our e economic uh, policies. We, we, uh, as much as I'm, 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 uh, I need a, a non-racial South Africa, and I need uh, to run a free market economy, what also important for me was social justice. We can't live in a country where so many of our fellow South Africans, 54% uh, of our people live under uh, poverty. We've got to really address this question of inequality and we've got to be um, deliberate. It can't be something that happens by chance what the DA uh, wanted. No, it, uh, we, we have to drive to make sure that uh, we create opportunities uh, so that 30 years down the line, uh, we must have uh, the majority of our country, men and women, to be in the middle class category. Believe in the rule of law. I don't want to live in a country where people can steal and loot the country with impunity. We need to bring back the scorpions. We, we you know, I keep telling people lately that I want to live in a country where when, once we remove the ANC out of power in, in, in 2024, we must bring the Minister of Law and Order, not the Minister of Police. Um, uh, we need law and order in this country. We don't need the, the minister of police. We need minister of law and order. We need to, to do away. I'm not a believer on, on name changing. That one aspect I'm saying to South Africa, we need to change immediately when, once we remove ANC from power. Our uh, correctional services, we've got to turn them into prisons, not the correctional services. So that people know when you you violate the rights of law-abiding citizens of the country, you're going to pay a price. So avoid going to jail because you are going to prison. You are not going to correctional services. We've got no time um, to, to, to think about um, correcting people who violated the rights of law-abiding citizens. Let us uh, really uh, discourage people from actually even breaking the, 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 the law. So I believe in the rule of law. You know, this whole issue of open borders, when we have the constitution of the Republic of South Africa that spells out uh, immigration so eloquently that, you know, people of South Africa, like how this country was built, South Africa was built at the back of migrants. And we need to encourage people of the world 
they must come here into South Africa, whether you, you come from Holland or you come from Zimbabwe or Nigeria or Mexico. Come here, but come here legally. And when you're in South Africa, please respect our laws. And one thing for sure, for those who are calling for a borderless South Africa, I'm saying to them, please, South Africa will not really, we are not going to give away our sovereignty as a country. Uh, we need to really protect this country at, at all costs. And, uh, and I think right now, with all the challenges that we are facing, I think, uh, please, uh, let people leave us alone for now. We are happy to have relations with all the countries in the world, but people must respect our, our sovereignty. We believe in quality education, that um, if I look at what uh, the union, SATU uh, and COSATU have done to our education, as you are aware, 80% of our public schools in this country are dysfunctional. My, it is my dream to see it, uh, the kids in Soweto where today schools are closing and the schools in Zenten where I live, kids have to leave Soweto, family members have to leave Soweto uh, four in the morning to come to school in Zenten or Ranbe. When schools in Soweto are closing because they are dysfunctional. Satu, it's responsible for, for running of our schools. We are saying, no, South Africa needs one department of education. And uh, we, the principals of schools must be appointed by us as government. We must bring back um, school uh, inspectors. We must encourage uh, teachers from Yen Center going teaching in Soweto, the kids in Soweto, our youth in Soweto are looking for good quality education. Because once you don't have uh, race-based legislation, then any South African can work and be deployed anywhere because you are not discriminated against uh, the, what the current ANC government is doing. And what, for me, it's important. We need to bring back, we need to bring God back into our country because uh, this communist uh, the, the criminal syndicate called ANC, they've taken God out of, uh, out of our society. I grew up in an environment where from literally birth, uh, we go to church every Sunday. Um, we, uh, when, we, when I started school in 1966, every morning before you go to class, you go to assembly, you have a 10, 15 minutes uh, prayer session. You know, that, you know, uh, we, we, I believe it's very important, more than important, it's not important. We need God back. And 97% of South Africans are God believing. Whether the Christians like myself, or you're a Muslim, or a Jew, or a Hindu, all of us belong, we, we believe in God. And uh, I cannot see how we must allow 2 or 3% of atheists uh, to say that we must not bring God uh, into schools. I think for me, this is not negotiable. I live in a free society. I cannot understand why my rights... Uh, if 97% of South Africans' rights must be trampled upon by 2 or 3% of atheists. And, I, and I'm not against people not believing in God. It's their right uh, not to. But they must not impose their system on me. So the kids where families believe that um, they don't want uh, their children to know about God, they're most welcome. They can go to class. We'll find them there. We are not going to force them. But I think for all the religions... Um, as I say, we we must learn to coexist because uh, we uh, if we can't coexist and as black and uh, blacks and white people, there's no reason why we cannot coexist as Christians, 
Muslims, Jews, and whatever. We must learn to coexist because these are things that you cannot undo. These are God created uh, the things. For me, that's really what I believe in. And uh, lastly, believe in ethical leadership. When you join Action SA, you must understand where our political party is about saving society. It's not about your stomach. It's about saving society. That, yes, understand, I might be saying this easy because I, I come from a privileged position over the last uh, uh, 40 years of my life, but I know what poverty means and I know what it means uh, to really save society. This is a brutal job uh, that we are doing. To be a politician, you have, if you're committed to public service, it's a brutal job. But one thing that I believe is that... Um, once you can enter politics to save society, society will look after you. Don't really come into politics uh, for your own stomach because then you are coming into politics for the wrong reasons. That's uh, just in brief what we as Action SA stands for. That's why if you look at our constitution, we, we have no tolerance uh, for, for stomach politics. So... <clears throat> To kind of outline that then, I want to, to, to bring kind of these values into some of the applicable policy areas. So you've outlined um, the fact that you're very much in favor of free market economies um, and social justice. And I think um, we can explore those two areas together. So how um, do you, how does Action SA see a free market economy being balanced with social justice, obviously, because there is somewhat of a tension there if you let people, you know, trade and and people excel at their own, at the things that they excel at. Some people excel more than others, and there are always people left behind. So how do you, how does Action SA then, how would Action SA balance these two forces together? There's nothing to balance, uh, Gabriel. Um, uh, the mistake any society can make is to uh, determine the outcome. Uh, what I think it's important is for government to create an equal opportunities, but the outcome you can't determine. I can give you an example of my brother who died, uh, may his soul rest in peace, uh, in a car accident in 1988. Um, we come from the same family, um, same fa same parents. Uh, my brother took a totally different uh, direction than I did. Uh, he completed the standard six, was the best student uh, in 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 that region. Uh, they, had, uh, they had some some kind of system. He was the top student um, passing standard six, but um, he refused to go to uh, form one and. Uh, the, pursue education, ran away to, uh, to Joburg, and so I wanted to work uh, like others. At the time, you can imagine my father was still alive. Um, so he took a totally different direction. Whereas uh, in my particular case, lost my father at the age of two, my mother working as a domestic worker, brought uh, up in a childhood household. So my brother and I, coming from the same parents, so if anyone would have expected or does expect uh, to get the same outcome, you cannot really get the same outcome. What we need as government is to create equal opportunities. 
because uh, I've been a businessman and I've been in business for close to 40 years, I've never come across any businessmen who go out there to exploit others. Businessmen, go, go, they go into business to make money and maximize profit. It's up to you to exploit that, that situation. I can give a practical example of Herman Mashaba uh, uh, in 1980 when I started working late 80 when I decided not to go back to school. Um, I exploited SPA. SPA, my first job, I was earning 175 rands. But one thing I was tactful, I decided, you know what? The only way to succeed in life is to get experience. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to allow SPA to exploit me. I'm going to exploit SPA. So these guys are going to pay me to give me the experience. They employed me as a dispatch clerk. But I can tell you, I will come in, do my work quickly, don't dispatch whilst all the trucks are gone, prepare the load for the following day. And I'll always be inquisitive to go and help others, never to let myself uh, idle. Uh, at, uh, I've never been the one to, to look for a job description. Yeah, I was empowering myself. That is why when uh, seven months later, when SPA, uh, when I gave them my resignation letter, they wanted to match uh, Motani's um, uh, offer. And I said, no, Mr. Spa, it doesn't work like that. Um, if you valued me, <laughs> why won't you offer me a salary increase uh, and, and match? I mean, at the time, I was earning 175 and uh, the next salary I was getting from Motani was 350 a big jump. And they wanted to meet us. But I said, but if you valued me, <laughs> you know, so I said, no, thanks very much. I'm moving on. It's not about uh, you. It's about him and Mashaba. I wasn't doing all this uh, for spa. I was doing for, I exploited spa. And I did exactly the same thing with Motani Industries. And that's something, a message I'm sending to the youth all over the world. They must avoid uh, and be scared of, the, of communists uh, who are preaching this uh, equality. Because there's nothing like that uh, in real life. What you need, you need a government that creates uh, equal opportunities. Uh, the role of government is to ensure that uh, once you promise to pay me 175 rands a month, then you must pay me 175 rands a month. And uh, in the event you don't pay me, then I can take you to the Department of Labor uh, for, for a breach of, of contract. And also make sure that um, the health and safety measures are, uh, are respected. But uh, how much people must be paid Honestly, I don't want to live in a government like that because once you can have a government uh, like right now with uh, 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 President Cyril Ramaphosa calling for for minimum uh, wage, a minimum wage, it's, it's an evil system that oppresses people because unions are there to oppress people. Because once you're a union member, you can never grow. You are at, at the mercy of unions. If you want uh, um, people to really develop, it's up to them to really make themselves indispensable. So I think this too, social justice, that's when as government allow people to, so the private sector, to go and make billions. They put money in the banks. They don't have to put the money under madrasas. Let them run businesses in a legal fashion so that we can tax them and tax them fairly. And when we, take, we receive taxes from, from society, 
make sure that there's there's no corruption, there's no one stealing that money. Go and build schools in Soweto, in Haramutsi. Go and build infrastructure. Go and build a modern public transport system so that poor people can really be able to travel uh, and so forth. Make sure that you invest in policing, that you people are safe in, 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 your, in your country. In that way, you will see the development of, of people. So it's just really propaganda by communists um, to, to tell us uh, a capitalist system is an exploitative system. What is actually more dangerous is a, is a communist socialist system because it exploits people. It wants to keep people poor, uneducated, so that uh, they must actually believe in government. I'll call upon people to say no. Don't uh, below, don't uh, depend on government. Do things for yourself, but demand government to create a fair and equal system for everyone. If you decide to be an entrepreneur, if you decide to be a, a pastor, if you decide to be a molana, you decide to be a judge, it's up to you. It's not that the government should not really decide for you what you must be, eventually become. Mm. I would say I would I would agree with that, and so to to bring this then so twenty twenty four action SA is uh, is given uh, the opportunity to lead the country. What are some of the the three or four biggest problems that you tackle straight away in the first one hundred days, and what are you doing? Well, uh, the first hundred days uh, we we need to do. Uh, uh, to ensure that we, uh, we, we scrap all uh, race-based legislation out of our, uh, our statutory books. We need to bring back uh, the scorpions um, uh, to make sure that uh, we have an independent uh, 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 national prosecuting authority. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the head of the scorpions, or whatever name we will call it, this independent body, if I can have my way, um, we must take uh, uh, the right of the president to be the one um, uh, appointing the head of uh, the Scorpions or the head of the NPA. We must find a system where these units must be totally independent of political interference. We must focus on creation of a professional public service. So we must, as a matter of agency, uh, do skills audit of all public servants uh, to ensure that people are in positions not because of uh, who, uh, who, who, why, who, which contacts they have, but what they know, so that you allow all South Africans an opportunity to really work for the public service. Um, we've got to ensure that um, already we've started the process to identify all these uh, abandoned factories uh, in Namanskral, Harangua, and all over the country. We need uh, these um, factories, uh, give them to the private sector for nothing and uh, give them tax breaks uh, to, to, to reopen these factories uh, to, to really employ our people because we've got a, an emergency right now with the highest sustainable unemployment rate in the world. And what are you going to do to fix the massive problem that we have with electricity provision around the country? Oh, well, I think uh, put in uh, the right people to run ESCOM, right? put the right people to run Transnet, right? put the right people to, to run SABC. Uh, airlines uh, uh, 
I can tell you, give uh, SA Airways to, to anyone who wants it. Uh, SA Airways, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't see why it, uh, as a country will need an airline. We definitely, we need the brand to give it to someone who can commit uh, to, to, to really to saving this airline the best way possible. But give it away for literally nothing. Uh, you know, even if it, honestly, for me, uh, even if I've got to pay someone to take it away from us as government, uh, uh, I will pay to put it on tender and um, the people must give you proposal and uh, give it to anyone. But uh, as government, uh, we, we, don't, we don't need an airline. But one thing for sure, we, we need ESCOM. But while we have ESCOM, we must allow the private energy producers to compete with ESCOM. If ESCOM can survive in that environment, so it be. But we, 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 we need to put in the right engineers to go and revive that entity. But at the same time, allow private sector participation in the energy sector. And so I want to ask you about a question about your, um, I think it was the eighth, uh, the eighth core value of um, <clears throat> Action SA ethical leadership. Um, so how do you go about ensuring that Action SA members um, stay accountable and stay uh, in service to the public? Well, let me give you an example um, um, of what we did two weeks ago. Um, two, three weeks ago, the city of Johannesburg, um, as I'm talking to you right now, uh, 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 I'm not sure if uh, our coalition arrangement is going to succeed in Johannesburg because uh, ANC uh, uh, engineered uh, um, uh, the collapse of our coalition arrangement in Johannesburg, buying of um, councillors. Um, uh, and I guess uh, and believe that one of our councillors uh, was a victim to, to, to this because uh, one of our councillors at this very important council meeting never showed up, didn't show up, and um, tried everything possible to get all of him on that day. His phone was off, went to his house, and to people, our, our teams could hear that there's someone in the house, but no one answered. So the following morning, we contacted one of our guys that uh, he had a heart attack. And uh, we then wrote to him, um, it was on a Thursday morning, we wrote to him, giving him Friday 5 p.m. to give us a medical record. Friday came, 5 o'clock, nothing came. 6 o'clock, we wrote a letter to him, giving until 6 o'clock Sunday um, uh, to tell us why him, uh, we must not obviously fire him. Six o'clock came on Sunday, called the Senate meeting, seven o'clock, took a decision, we fired the guy. That just really shows you, and our constitution allows us uh, to, to do this. And uh, we, we move and uh, can give you more and more of examples. I think ever since uh, we started Action SA after participation in local government elections, you, you know, we had some rogue elements that thought, um, uh, they had the right uh, to, uh, to, uh, to be councillors, even when we had our list and uh, they thought uh, they, they, they worked harder than the people who were on, on the list. And uh, once they started coming out with such behaviour, we, we immediately got rid of them. Uh, we acted very fast and we made sure that our constitution allows us uh, to get rid of uh, people uh, coming out with ANC tendencies. Mm. And 
so you will just uh, would you say that you just kind of can keep to continue this trend of aggressively um, pursuing people when they step out of line to keep the members accountable as the party grows in size? Yeah, well, but the thing is what you do, it's uh, obviously education, it's important. It's like when I run to, to, to my cosmetic business uh, from day one, uh, you train people because you don't want to lose them. But obviously, if people uh, step out of line um, um, on the cases that would justify immediate dismissal, don't really think twice about it. Get rid of them. But there are cases where, I mean, people, uh, we, we all make mistakes. If if there's one person who makes a mistake in life, it's me. But I don't make deliberate mistakes. Uh, my grandfather told me to really be an ethical leader, uh, to be an ethical person, not a leader, be an ethical person. So if someone deliberately uh, tries uh, to, to, to be dishonest with us, you are out. We don't, uh, I think we, we, uh, we don't really play games and we are not going to apologize to anyone about it. That's only way I believe we can, we can build an ethical society over time. Because uh, those, that are, those that are committed to, to our project, we keep training them, we keep uh, emphasizing them because we don't want to lose anyone. But if we have to really lose you, we, we will lose you. So I'm going to move to some of the the, the criticisms that um, people tend to to lobby against Action Essay. And one of the ones um, that I'm very interested to hear your take on is what is that <clears throat> Action Essay and a lot of these and a lot of the opposition parties that kind of splinter splinter off um, with a, a with a similar ish docket of and policy agenda to the DA people claim that you then split the DA vote as opposed to going after the ANC vote what would you say as a response to that do you think that action SA is, is splitting the DA vote or are you going or how are you going after disgruntled ANC voters I think Gabriel uh, these are people who are scared of action SA firstly these are people who don't believe in democracy if you do, they must do self-reflection and study the constitution of the Republic of South Africa. The constitution of South Africa does not determine how many political parties uh, must be um, uh, in the running. So uh, these are people who don't believe in democracy in the first place, um, and they've got to self-reflect, uh, do self-reflection. Uh, Action SA is not a splinter group of the DA. Uh, the DA and I, uh, we water under the bridge. Um, I'll never uh, uh, be a member of uh, DA, I mean, vote for the DA any longer. The DA is part of my history. So I think Action SA has got the right, as enshrined in the constitution of this country, to be a political party as a standalone with our own policies. So we are not going to really concern ourselves with people who don't really believe uh, in democracy and um, and sway us uh, and uh, think that uh, they can influence us uh, to belong to their cause when we don't know what their agenda is. So so what uh, distinguishes then uh, the Action SA from a party like the DA or from a party maybe even like the, the BF Plus who, who do also focus on kind of non-racialism, free market economy? What, what is it that Action SA brings to the table that's different to these parties? 
on uh, I think uh, Gabriel it would be an insult to South Africans uh, to anybody to say that uh, DA believes in non-racial South Africa I mean honestly it, it will be someone you'll be insulting South Africans uh, you know DA does not really believe in in, in a non-racial society that uh, when I joined them, I thought uh, there were there's enough evidence uh, to that effect. So the DNI completely different. So Action SA, when we stand for an unracial South Africa, we we really mean it. Action SA and DA, Action SA believe in social justice. Uh, we we believe um, that as government, we've got a responsibility not only to people who voted for us. We vote, we also believe once we're in government, we must serve all communities. DA has got a track record, including my three years as a mayor, fighting literally every day with the DA, not wanting me to provide services to poor communities. So I think there's a huge difference. And the Freedom Front Plus, the Freedom Front Plus, I think uh, uh, they their cause uh, it's completely different to me. They are focusing on, on the African community. You know, that is the focus. And uh, for us, a section SA, we focus on any speaking South African. We don't care what language you speak or what color, what gender you are. Whereas uh, Freedom Front Plus, uh, its focus uh, is on, on the African nation. And they don't um, apologize to anyone about it. And it's, it's their right. Uh, it's their constitutional right to do that. So there is no way that anyone would compare Action SA to Freedom Front Plus. Action SA focuses on all South Africans. We don't care what language you speak or what color uh, you are or race or gender. And so how is Action SA going about convincing um, ANC voters or ex-ANC voters and specifically the, the people that you talked about earlier that have stayed away from the polls, that they feel that there is no home for them in, um, in the Politic, in the polit- current political arena in South Africa, how do you go about convincing people um, that we need to move away from the the ANC and we need to that Action SA is actually the home for them? Well, people don't only have to move from the ANC; they must move from the DA and all the other parties and uh, join Action SA. So when when we approach. Uh, um, uh, voters, uh, we don't uh, say we were looking for ANC or, or whatever. We're looking for voters, South African voters, because South African voters don't belong to any political party, including uh, Action SA. People are individuals and they've got the rights. So we don't approach them on the basis of being ANC or DA members. We are looking for, for South Africans to embrace this democracy. And we do that by encouraging them to, to vote, by giving them, again, I've taken you through our our core values. Those are the core values we sell we sell to 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 to, to our South African people. And luckily, the three years as a mayor of Johannesburg, I demonstrated that. That's why it's easy for people to actually believe me. That's why in the local government elections, we made history where we the first political party in the history of this country where our support base in all communities is the same. We, uh, we received the same support base from all communities in the six metros, uh, I'm sorry, municipalities where we contested.
So we we we're not a black party. We're not a white party. We're a white party for South Africans, and and we've going to the um, IEC uh, um, uh, uh, website. Look at XNSA uh, support here in Senton, in Randbeck, in Soweto, in Mamelodi, in Alexander, in Waterproof. You will see the support that XNSA received. We are the politi only political party in the history of this country. Not even Nelson Mandela received a kind of uh, diverse electoral support. And we're proud about it. But why I, why I focus on the ANC is because, as you pointed out earlier, you, you have a very strong um, <clears throat> opinion against the ANC. And um, the, the problem is that, um, I, from my perception, is that it is quite a quite a task, I would say, to convince um, ANC voters uh, or ex-ANC voters that you know you you suddenly need to switch tracks, kind of wholesale ideology ideology ideologically, because you have to then reject a lot of the the tenets that the ANC um, and the tri tripartite alliance have put forward. Uh, and so, do do you think that? Um, that there is an issue that you do have an issue with with uh, convincing people that you know what um, what the ANC has been selling to you has been wrong this whole time, or do you think that the the strength of your message is enough to convince people that um, it's it's time that Action SA is the place for them, the new home? Gabriel, I don't have to give you an academic uh, uh, spin. Please just have a look at our uh, electoral support um, uh, in, uh, in uh, where we contested in the municipalities. With uh, the evidence is there, we received almost same uh, support. No, no political party since 1994 has ever received the kind of support um, in in Soweto, in Alexander, and so forth. The ANC used to dominate. Never thought uh, there will ever anyone would ever uh, drop uh, them uh, below the, the fifty percent. We we did we did first time around coming out uh, with uh, just under two twenty two percent in Soweto, beating the EFF, which has been around for for, for over ten years uh, with fourteen percent. We came out with twenty two percent. Then look into the suburbs. The DA used to really have a free ride. They know the party's over. Coming out with 20% of the suburban uh, support. So the party's over for the DA. The party's over for the ANC to think that um, uh, the suburban uh, the market is theirs. ANC can forget about thinking that the black support is theirs. No, there's a new, baby, new kid on the block. That is actually winning the hearts and minds of all South Africans because of our messaging and what we stand for. My grandfather told me, make sure that you listen to people, but believe what they do than what they say. And I have proven beyond any reasonable doubt what I promised to deliver, uh, I deliver. And that's why people have got confidence in action and say, all South Africans. And so I now want to, to shift us to the question of coalition governance um, come 2024, because from all of the looks of it, it looks like 2024, the ANC is will, it will be the first time since democracy, the ANC slips into minority party position. 
And so the first question I have for you is, uh, you've now had experience as in as the mayor of Joburg in your time in the DA and now in a coalition governance uh, as Action SA. What have you learned uh, about coalition governance in South Africa from your various experiences in coalitions? Well, uh, one thing that I've learned uh, uh, in coalition arrangement uh, since 2016 and now uh, when we facilitated and forced the DA to be in government uh, in the three metros in Gauteng, that Action SA has to work hard to emerge as the second biggest political party so that in the event we take um, ANC out, uh, the coalition arrangements must be led by us because us as Action SA, when we lead a coalition, we believe in consultation, we uh, believe in, in respect for other parties. And uh, uh, what I've learned um, over the, just under a year with, I mean, oh, three years with DA as their mayoral candidate, their arrogance, and uh, they are still repeating this um, in this uh, metros. They they pre- they play game as if they've got a two-thirds majority. <laughs> Whereas, I mean, look at Joburg. They're sitting at 23%. Uh, when I was the mayor, we had 38%. They're sitting today at 23%. But I can tell you, going to an eye negotiations with the DA, um, they pretend uh, and uh, play the not pretend. They actually play the game as if they've got a two-thirds majority. So I think it would really be bad for South Africa to have the DA. They've proven beyond any reasonable doubt that they're a bad partner to lead the coalition arrangement. But we need them. But I think we are confident that Section SA we will emerge bigger than the DA and we will respect them and we'll respect them like we'll respect uh, everybody else. We are not going to be the party because we are bigger than DA, then we must look down upon uh, uh, anyone. We will respect everyone who is obviously prepared to go into a coalition with us. And so I want to ask, um, you've been uh, very critical of the ANC. Is there any chance in 2024, if they offer you cabinet positions or... Um, a various number of things. Is there any chance that you would join a coalition with the ANC uh, in 2024? I've uh, made it clear that I think Action SA cannot really go into a coalition with the ANC because uh, I think uh, how do you do, uh, deal uh, with the question of corruption uh, under the, the, the ANC? It's, uh, I think it's almost impossible. We are happy to work with the other parties as long as it's not the ANC. I cannot see what ANC can offer us uh, that uh, would make South Africa a better place. Um, I can I can just move then also just to the last one, which is um, to for you to briefly explain why people should vote for Action SA. Should we do just do that question to end it? Yeah, well, I think why people should vote for Action SA, I think if people have uh, really followed uh, our discussion, I'd outline uh, our core values, what we stand for. If they believe uh, in, in those core values, uh, that's a good enough reason to, 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 to trust us that we live up to, to those core values that I, I have already outlined. And so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Mr. Mashaba. You are certainly someone who I think is called, is, has for every reason, the, all the right reasons caused a stir in the political scene. And I'm very excited to see what happens come 2024 with Action SA, because I so certainly believe 
that um, this country needs some change and it's very good to see people who are bringing the fire and the necessary energy to try and pr to provide that change. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity and sorry to cut you off. I would still really, if I had a chance to engage you even further, but unfortunately I had already committed to myself uh, for another engagement uh, at 3.30, so, I mean at, at 4.30, so yeah. But thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity and um, please in future, if you need to engage any further, I'm happy we can make other arrangements. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mr. Mashaba, and have a great day. Thank you so much, and all of the best. Thank you. Thank you.